0: This week's podcast from Church on the Rock, we hope that it will challenge and inspire you to be a more passionate follower of Jesus. For more information about Church on the Rock, visit us at cotrcalera.com. I believe it. Hey, um, I, so I want to share a story with you real quick before we kind of get in. And I heard um, this story about this older couple who had been married... <laughs> Who had been married like sixty years, all right? And um, they had been married for sixty years, and they had never had an argument, and they had never said a cross word to each other their entire sixty year of marriage. That's 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 a miracle, yeah, right, <laughs> right. And so they were at a uh, one day they were at a church function, and. Um, And they were kind of there, and while they were there at this little church function, they were kind of having this conversation about marriage and all that kind of stuff. And somebody uh, addressed this elderly gentleman and said, Hey, you've been married for 60 years. Tell me, tell me what's the secret. And the older man said, Well, he said, "Um, Here's what I do. He said, "I, um, I treat my wife with the greatest respect and dignity. And I spend a lot of money taking her on trips around the world. And everybody's like, oh, wow. You know, they gave him a little hand clap. That's great. That's, that's a great answer. Um, he said, as a matter of fact, he said, on our 25th year anniversary, I took us on a trip. Everybody's like, wow, that's like great. I mean, I wish, right, you know. Um, and uh, so then after everybody was kind of in awe of, of what he said, um, you know, somebody piped up in the bag, they said, well, hey, if that's what you did on your 25th year anniversary, what did you do on your 50th year anniversary? He said, well, I took a trip back to Beijing to pick her up. <clears throat> How many of you know that, like, that, I mean, there's going to be an argument right there somewhere. I mean, there's going to be some coarse words spoken at some point along the way there. I mean, right? So uh, anyways, you know, marriage is fun, family is fun, all that kind of stuff. But I always try to start with something a little funny. Uh, this week, we we've kind of been talking over the past couple of weeks about uh, Undercover Boss, this um, this series, you know, uh, kind of highlighting this, you know, I guess playing off of the show that was on TV called Undercover Boss, where um, you would have, um, you know, a guy that owned a business and he would they would kind of dress him up and make him not look like himself, so he would go and become like a normal employee and work there and kind of seeing behind the scenes, what's going on. And so it's gen- this general, general principle that we all understand. And, you know, when you talk about the presence of God and where God is, we know that God is omnipresent, okay? It's one of his attributes. In other words, that he is everywhere all the time. So in a way, God is he's not really our boss. He's more like our father and a friend. But to a degree, like he's everywhere all the time watching what you're doing, and he's kind of undercover. Because a lot of times you don't really think about the fact that God is everywhere all the time watching what you're doing. And so, you know, a couple weeks ago we talked about how, uh, you know, so we were talking from the standpoint of biblical occupations that we find in the Bible that can teach us lessons about, you know, our walk with God. And so um, the first one we were talking about was a farmer, right? That we all sow seed, but we don't all reap the same thing, okay? So it would be foolish, you know, the Bible says... Uh, do not be, um, do not be fooled. God cannot be mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. In other words, like God is watching over you, and whatever you're sowing in your life, you're going to reap. And it would be foolish of you to plant, you know, apple seeds expecting to grow oranges. It would be just as foolish of you to sow in unrighteousness, expecting to reap a righteous reward. So sometimes in our life, when we're reaping what we sow, we want to point our finger at God, like, why is my life so miserable? Why am I having to deal with all these things? And God's like, well, hey, you're, you're not really a sowing in righteousness. You're not really living and doing the way that I want you to do. So like in, in marriage, for example, if you sow into strife and you sow into anger and you sow into unforgiveness and you sow into those kinds of things, listen, then you're gonna reap what those things produce, and then you wonder, like, how come my marriage isn't filled with love and kindness and just you know, floating on cloud nine all the time? You know, I, so you will you will reap whatever it is that you sow. That's important. We're all farmers. We all sow seed, but we don't always reap the same thing. Last week we were talking about how uh, God is. Um, uh, we looked at the occupation of being a fisherman, all right? Jesus walked around to his disciples. There were four disciples that were fishermen by trade. And he looked at them and he said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Okay? And the thing about fishing is that um, to be a good fisherman, you can't be a catcher man. Okay? In other words, it's not about the catching. It's about the fishing. And sometimes when you go fishing, you're not going to catch. But you still go fishing anyways. But you're never going to catch anything if you're not fishing. Right? I mean, I know there's like... (laughs) All right? But if your line's not in the water, nothing's going nothing's to hit it. You're not going to catch anything. So in our life, listen, God has called us to be disciples. The last thing he told his disciples to do was to go into all the world and make the, make other disciples. Okay, So we're supposed to be just like those four uh, fishermen that Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisherman. God's called us to be fishers of men. And we're not going to ever catch anything if our line's not out trying to pull people in. All right? So... We got to be fishermen, not catchermen. God's God wants us to reach out and make a difference in people's lives. All right. So this week we're going to be looking at a different occupation. That occupation is that of a of a shepherd. And um, you know, there's not a whole lot of people in here that know much about being a shepherd. Okay, I'm just being honest. I don't either. Like, I don't really know much about being a farmer, other than like, like you know we're talking about sowing and reaping i know what the bible has to say about that i do know a little bit about being a fisherman even though i'm not a fisherman by trade i know how to fish um yeah i don't have the slightest idea how to be a good shepherd out i mean like a a shepherd of real animals okay? i mean in, in theory as a pastor i'm a shepherd right so i got to know how to be a good one of those at least you know try try my best um but we're going to talk about the shepherd there's a lot of references to a shepherd right um uh, G- Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, right? There's even, the psalm, we'll read it later, it says, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. All right, so there's lots of passages in Scripture. Even Jesus says, you know, he talks about, you know, if um, you know if, if if a shepherd, you know, brings his flock back, it's, it was referenced in that last song we sang, you know, and, and one of the sheep is missing, will he not leave the 99 to go find the one? So there's all these references in the Bible to, this shepherd, and obviously he's speaking to people that understand this because it's more prevalent in the culture at that time and stuff that they're dealing with. But typically, a shepherd had to go early in the morning. Uh, he led his his he led his flock, you know, from the fold from the place where he kept them. He marched it ahead to a spot where they would be where they were to be pastured. He would watch them all day, taking care that none of the sheep, making sure that none of the sheep strayed. And if any for a time, you know, kind of got away from his watching, um, you know, he would seek diligently. He would go after that sheep until he was found. Um, you know, he would he would guide them. He would protect them. He would pull them in if they were ever to wander away. He would pull them in. Um, he would lead them back. He would you know every day they would lead them to a water supplies either by a running river. Or maybe there was a well that was dug in the desert where they could, where he would, um, you know, he would feed his sheep to give them the water that they needed, and then at night he would bring them back home. He would put them in, you know, their little pen or their gate, all right? And then he would have to watch over them at night as well from thieves that would try to come in and steal. Jesus made references to this, or even the wolves or the, uh, you know, the, the other animals that would come in to try to take. The sheep to eat them as prey so he had a full-time job he, it was a full-time thing watching over his sheep and and the truth being known is that you know uh, the bible actually refers to us being like sheep right we all like sheep have gone astray each of us to our own way but the lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all all right so we all like sheep this is um one of the old prophets i think um isaiah is the one that says this we all like we're all like sheep Right? And if you know anything about sheep, okay, sheep are dumb animals. They're just dumb. Okay, They're, they've been they've been known they will literally walk off the edge of a cliff. They just it, uh, it was oh. Remember those those days back when the cartoons were real? Like you know what I'm saying? They were legit. <clears throat> All right. Um, you know sheep they like talks about. Like sheep don't have the ability to they don't have the ability to take care of themselves they don't have the, the ability to um, um, uh, to provide for themselves uh, the reason why the shepherd would go out to find a sheep when a sheep got lost because a sheep's not like a dog like a dog can find its way home a sheep no, they're gone okay they, they're not coming home they don't know how to get back home so the shepherd would have to go out and find the sheep to pull them in. All right? they were constantly because they they had no way to protect themselves All right I mean maybe um, <laughs> You know, maybe all the 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 wool or something that was on there. Have you ever seen a, a Have you ever seen not like the little cute little sheep that's been groomed? You ever seen like a sheep like with fully grown hair? Like I know that like if you were a wolf trying to get a bite into that, that would be messy, right? <laughs> You're talking about hairballs, right? Um, but they had no way to defend themselves. They didn't have like you know antlers, and they they weren't fast. There's no way they could even defend themselves from the enemy. Uh, they were, they were hope they're hopeless creatures, right? Which says a lot when the Bible says we're all like sheep, right? Because the truth is is that we need a shepherd to help us because sometimes we get lost and we can't find our way home. And we can't provide for ourselves the things that we really need, right? I mean, we could provide for ourselves our physical needs, but not our spiritual needs, right? We, we can't provide for ourselves. We can't, find, we can't find our way. to. We can't work our way to heaven. We have to have the good shepherd to come and to guide us, to be the open gate for us, to lead us. And he leads us, you know, beside still waters and into greener pastures and all these kinds of things. We are, we are hopelessly in that situation. We're all like sheep. But the, but the thing is, is that when you read the scriptures, one of the things that Jesus was, was trying to do, and, and this is why it's so important. Like, if you're on a, a Bible reading plan, stay with it. But, man, it would, be, it would be really good if you just read through the Gospels. Just take the Gospels and read them over and over and over again. Why? The, the reason is, is because Jesus spent a lot of time trying to, matter of fact, the vast majority of the time in the scriptures, we find that Jesus... Um, was always trying to change the way the disciples thought. Like he was trying to get them to change their thinking because they were growing up in a society that thought a certain way and he wanted them to think differently than the way that they were always thinking, right? And like when they were feeding the five, the, the um uh the 12, you know, 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish and and they said, "Hey Jesus, all we have is five loaves and two fish." And Jesus is like, "Well, hey, feed the feed the multitudes." He's like, what? What do you mean feed, all right? he was constantly trying to change the way that they think when they were in the boat and 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 they were afraid that they were going to die it, there was there was things that jesus was constantly talking to his disciples and this is another thing like jesus was constantly trying to get his disciples to stop thinking like sheep and start thinking like a shepherd right it was all of his disciples not just, not just some of them. He wanted them all to stop, stop thinking like sheep and start thinking like shepherds. Like, I want you to think about people the way that God thinks about people. I want you to look at other people the way that God looks at other people. And so this is the first thing that we find here in this passage is that Christ wants us to think like shepherds and not like sheep, okay? And, and, and so if we think like sheep, you know, we're going to constantly put in, be putting ourselves in a bad situation, in the wrong place, in the, in the wrong kind of environment because, you know, we're, we're not capable of guiding ourselves into, into salvation. We're not capable of finding our own way home. We, so, so we don't want to think like a sheep thinks. We want to think like a shepherd thinks. And we want to think the way that God thinks about certain things. And so the Bible, on many occasions, You know, we see that it compares us to sheep, but we need to be thinking like shepherds. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, listen to this. It says, Jesus went to all the towns and the villages, and he taught in the synagogues, spreading the good news of the kingdom. And he also cured every disease and sickness. And when he saw the crowd, he felt sorry for them. They were troubled and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is large, but the workers are few. So ask the Lord, who gives this harvest, to send workers to the harvest his crops. Okay, so Jesus here is looking at All these people, he sees all these people, and his first thought in his mind is that these are these are look at look at all the, these are people that they look like sheep with no shepherd. Okay, think about think about the multitudes of of the people in our culture, in our world, in our city. Jesus looks out to that multitude and says, look at the, these people, they're, they're like sheep without a shepherd. So what does he, he ask the disciples to do? He doesn't say, pray that God will send all the sheep home. Okay? He says, pray that God will raise up shepherds. Okay? Right? Or He says workers. But, but the reference here is this idea that there needs to be shepherds to go get the sheep. God wants you to start thinking like a shepherd. and what? Now listen, why would Jesus ask the disciples to pray? Like, this is not one of those things where it's like, Lord, I just pray that you send shepherds into the harvest, but like, I'm out, I'm not the shepherd. Like, God wouldn't be telling them to pray for shepherds if he didn't have the expectation upon them to take that call as well. Why would you be praying for laborers and workers and shepherds to go into the field to pick up the harvest if he wasn't saying that, hey, you're one of those laborers, you're one of those shepherds, you're going to be a part of this, but we need to pray that there will be more that will come in because we need more to gather up more, right? We need more to gather up more. So God wanted his disciples, they're thinking like shepherds, Okay, so he wasn't telling them to pray, God send laborers, but I don't really have the time, but I really hope you find some other people to go out and be laborers. No, no, he was, you know, it was all inclusive. Like, hey, you're going to be a laborer. You know, it's kind of like, they were kind of laborers by default. Like, hey, you left all you did to follow me. You know, tag, you're it, but you, you need to pray and ask for more because we're going to need more, right? We're going to need more. I mean, think about this, for example, Like Jesus, think about the idea of, of like the Bible says, to go into all the world and make disciples, right? Jesus went into the world and he made disciples. He had 12 disciples. He had 12 people that he invested into. Now, there were more people that were Christ followers out on the fringe, but there were 12 in particular that Jesus invested his time into, right? And even one of those walked away. So if all the, all the ability that Jesus had was to invest in 12 people, and yet he still wasn't even able to convince one of them to stay with it, why would we think that we have a greater capacity than Jesus? Well, I could disciple the hundreds. You know, I mean, Jesus could only do 12, and even one of them still walked away. Right. So if we can only do 11 at a time, doing what Jesus is, fully making disciples and investing in people and pouring into people, all right? then there's going to need to be a lot of shepherds to reach a lot of people right because there's a lot of people you know i was having a, a lunch with a pastor in our community this week just talking to him and we were just reflecting on the fact that how many lost people live in our city just lost people live in our city all right and the, you know it's it's foolish for us to expect them to just come to us we've got to go to them And so it doesn't necessarily mean that we all need to gather up on Saturdays and go out, you know, knocking on doors like the Jehovah's Witness or the Mormons or something like that. But it does mean that, like, where you work, where you go, you need to be fishing, okay? You need to recognize that you're a shepherd, okay? God has appointed you to be a shepherd. He has appointed you to go and make disciples, He has commissioned you. He has anointed you. He has placed his hand upon you. He has poured his anointing oil over you. And he has has anointed you to walk out there and to make disciples wherever you go. Wherever you're living, whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter if you're in middle school, in high school, wherever you work in your job. God has placed you around people so that you can make disciples. So we have, to, we have to recognize that and understand that not only do we have a responsibility to take up the mantle and the call of God upon our life, but we also have the responsibility to pray that God will birth more, right? Because this is what Jesus did. Jesus, Jesus found 11 people. He said, I'm going to pour into you and I want you to go pour into other people. And they went and poured into other people and those people poured into other people. And that's how it works. That's how we make disciples. That's how a movement begins. But it begins by investing in other people. Okay? Not ourselves, and other people. Right? Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. Jesus said, What do you think? Suppose a man has a hundred sheep, and one of them is straight. And straights. Won't he leave the ninety-nine sheep in the hills to look for the one that is straight? I can guarantee you this truth. If he finds it, he is happier uh, about it than the ninety-nine that have not straight. In the same way, your Father in heaven does not want any of these little ones to be lost, all right? So um, again, it's another reference to this idea of shepherding, is and, and Jesus is teaching them a philosophy, a mindset that they're supposed to have. Like our Father who is in heaven is is supposed to be, a, you know, Jesus. Okay, so let's put it this way: um, the Bible says that Jesus was um, it, the um, he was a mirror. Like if, if what we see in Jesus is what we see in the Father, okay. Jesus only did and only said what he what he saw his father in heaven do, or he only said what he heard his father in heaven say. So we know that Jesus is an exact reflection of our heavenly father. In other words, if you want to know what father our father our heavenly father is like, look at the life of Jesus. Okay, and you will see what he's like. All right. So if Jesus here is um, on the earth and he is talking about the father, then we have to know. That this is also a mentality that Jesus has. In other words, Jesus is saying, My own heart, my own passion, my own desire, if one walks away, I wanna go find that one, and there will be more rejoicing over that one that is found than the 99 that stayed, because God wants everyone to come to Him, because God loves everyone. Equally, and Jesus was saying that that's my heart as well. That's the reason why I'm here is because I'm here to reach the one, I'm here to impact the one. And guess who we're supposed to be more and more like, right? Romans says that God's will for us is that we become more and more like His Son, okay? So we become more and more like the Son, and the Son was like the Father, okay? And Jesus said, The Father says, The father doesn't want any little one. So what I'm trying to, what I'm doing is drawing the circle back around that if the father has this passion in him, that he doesn't want anyone to not come to him, then that passion should also exist in us. All right? Which, by the way, is the heart of a shepherd. Right? I I don't want any. and, And he was doing this, he was talking about this from the standpoint of like, uh, current day people, people that lived in that particular time, under, would understand this illustration. They would understand that any reasonable shepherd, if they lost one of their sheep, they would leave the 99 to go get the one. That's what shepherds do. It's just what you do. Uh, if you're going to, you know, be consistent with, you know, your uh, your job and, and, and you're going to be a good person at what you do, that's just what you do. And so this illustration still rings true today is that God wants us to be shepherds. He wants us to stop thinking like sheep and start thinking like shepherds. Like, we we have a responsibility, listen, not only to go out and to be fishers of men and to be fishing and to catch them and pull them in, but also to be good shepherds. They, listen, God puts people in your life. I know that, like, this isn't one of those things where it's not a thing where, like, you lord over people because a good shepherd doesn't, a good leader doesn't lord his position. In other words, like, Somebody that truly understands influence and leadership knows that you don't have to have a position to be a great leader, okay? Leadership is influence, and if you have influence, then you're a leader. You can have a great position and no influence, and you're a terrible leader, all right? So um, it's not an issue of lording your position, but God wants you to be a shepherd. Listen, the Bible indicates when we read Apostle Paul's writings, he indicates this idea that... um, that his his treasure and his jewels that he's going to receive when he gets to heaven are the people that he has impacted in his life, the people that he's invested in, the people that he's uh, shepherded, the people that he has uh, spoken over, the people that he has impacted on earth. These will be the 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 jewels. These will be the treasure that he re- when when he gets to heaven. His his treasure. It's going to be people that he brings with him, all right? And I, I used to say this all the time when, when, I was, when I was a youth pastor because it was it was true and it was relevant to young people. It's still relevant to us, but it was even more relevant to them. Like, nobody goes to heaven alone and nobody goes to hell alone. We always take people with us. We will take people with us wherever we go. So if you're alive, if you live your life according to the flesh, doing whatever you want to do, listen... You are, you are an, as if nothing more, you are giving other people who watch your life permission to live just like you, okay? And that's the reason why nobody goes to heaven alone and nobody goes to hell alone. We, we, will, take, we will take people with us where we go. But how much more, uh, how, much, how much greater would it be if we lived our life with intentionality? In other words, I want to be intentional about the fact that I want my life to be worth something to the degree that I am impacting other people so that they can go to heaven with me. All right? And you don't have to be a pastor to do that. You don't have to be a Sunday school teacher to do that. Okay? You don't have to be an elder or a deacon or some kind of leader. All you have to do is to understand this, that you are a born-again child of God. You are a disciple of God, that he has laid his hand upon you, and he's giving you the same commission he gave his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that command. And, lo, I will be with you even to the ends of the age. And he says, he goes on, he says, and you will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. And you will drink deadly poison and not hurt you. And you will pick up snakes and it will not harm you. All these kinds of things, he says, that you will do. And he's talking to his disciples, his followers. And that's all you are. If you're somebody that says, I'm on the Jesus team, then you're a disciple of Jesus. And you have the ability to go out there and make disciples, irregardless of your position in a church. But you got to start thinking like a shepherd, like God has called me to be a shepherd. God wants me to think like a shepherd, that, that, that he wants me to think about investing in other people, in other people. And it's true, right? I mean, it, it is true, like, um, like um, the man with the most toys still dies. I've never seen a U-Haul following a hearse, right? Because we won't we won't take any, all this stuff that we have here on earth, we won't ever, we won't take it with us. The only thing that we will take a, take with us, okay, is the impact that we make in other people's lives because people are the only thing here that is eternal. I mean, outside of the spirit realm and God and all that kind of stuff, right? I mean, as far as in the natural, we're the only ones that live on like all this other stuff, Walmart eventually will go away. I know this is sad news, but it will okay and, um, all this you know Facebook, Snapchat eventually it'll be gone. It, you know m- maybe not in your lifetime. I don't know freak out yet. it's fine. Um, th- this stuff always comes and goes okay but um, God's word eternal. The spirit realm reigns, reigns eternal, and we as people, we will live on. Our, our soul and our spirit will live on after death, and the only thing that we will take with us is the impact that we make in other people's lives. That's it. And this is the reason why Paul would talk about how his his greatest joy and his crowns and his jewels will be the people that he's invested in the churches that he's planted and started and of course we know that he had he had incredible impact his you know his influence it doesn't doesn't change the fact that well you you may not be able to be paul or you may not be able to be billy graham or something like that but God still like you you still have you still have a talent somewhere the guy wants you to use that talent to invest and impact people's lives and so he wants you to stop thinking look so you, listen, you have an undercover boss. <clears throat> He's omnipresent. He's always looking around. He knows. He knows whether or not you're thinking like sheep or thinking like shepherds. All right? And then the final thing, the second thing that I want to really kind of point out, um, and Rob, you can start coming this way, uh, um, is that number one is, you know, God wants us to stop thinking like sheep and start thinking like shepherds. And the second thing that I think is really important as we look at this particular occupation is understanding that God, listen, that God is your shepherd. And that's a good thing, all right? I know that we probably don't have that connection um, like they did back in that particular day. Um, But he is, um, you know, he's he's our shepherd. And the passage of scripture that we find in Psalms chapter 23, verse 1, some of you probably know it by heart, right? It's one of those things that you kind of learn when uh, when you're younger, um, and if you don't know it by heart, you pro- probably should learn it because it's really good, right? But let's let, let me read it. I'm gonna read a, a more, uh, uh, guess, a different translation than probably the one that we always taught. We probably, you know, back in the day, you know, everybody learned King James, which so is the way it goes, right? The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not want. <clears throat> shout. <clears throat> um, but listen, Psalms chapter 23, verse 1 it says, "The Lord is my shepherd; I am never in need." He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside peaceful waters. He renews my soul. He guides me along the path of righteousness for the sake of his name. And even though I walk through the the dark valley of death, because you are with me, I fear no harm. Your rod and your staff give me courage. You prepare a banquet for me while my enemies watch. You anoint my head with oil; my cup overflows. Listen, certainly goodness and mercy will stay close to me all the days of my life, and I will remain in the Lord's house for the days without end. Man, I, I think some of the wording here. If you understand, you know some of the 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 stuff here. This this idea that um, I the Lord is my shepherd, and I, I'm never in need. All right. So, and there, there's. I think several weeks ago we had this whole sermon about like understanding the difference between needs and wants, right? Um, There's a lot in our especially in our American culture where, you know everybody has everything you know, we can get really confused about the things that we really need in our life but the Bible here says that because God is our shepherd we'll never be in need never be in need right? right? of the things that you really need you'll, you'll never be in need he, he he makes you listen he makes you lie down in green pastures like this is a reflection of of prosperity or, or um this is a friction of good things like you you want to be in green pastures you don't want to be like in a desert wasteland okay he doesn't lead you and make you lie down in a desert wasteland he makes you lie down in green pastures you know, if it wasn't for the bugs, you know, and during the fall and the spring, I, I could go lay down in green grass all day long. It feels so great, you know, as long as it's not like itching, you know. Sometimes I get a lot itchy and stuff. But Jesus, you know, the Bible says that he makes us lay down. He Listen, he leads us beside peaceful waters. That it doesn't matter, you know, what's going on, the storm that rages around us. God still leads us besides peaceful waters. Okay. He leads us beside peaceful waters. You want to know why Jesus had power over the storm in his life when he was asleep in the boat? Because the storms that you can sleep in are the storms that you have power over. Okay? But this is, it's a reflection of what God was doing on the inside, right? That he led him in peaceful waters. That there's he has peace on the inside. It doesn't matter this raging storms all around him and all this stuff's going on. But God is speaking peace, and peace was sitting on the inside. And it's the reason why he could look at the outside and say, Be still. Come on. He guides me along the path of righteousness, even though I walk through the dark valley of death. Listen because you are with me I will fear no harm you may be walking through a dark valley but you got no reason to fear you got no reason to fear because God is your shepherd is your shepherd listen your rod and your staff give me courage um You prepare a banquet for me while my enemies watch. I think this is interesting. You know, um, you think about this like the shepherd leads the sheep out to eat and to graze, knowing that probably up at the tree line or in other places, there's probably predators watching over the sheep. Man, I can't wait to have one. But because he's a good shepherd, he won't let any of them get there, right? You know, David was a good shepherd, and we read about him, how he would kill the lion and the bear who would try to attack his sheep. It was a great reflection of this idea that... That, that even in these moments of my life, that, that the, these trials and difficulties or no matter what I'm going through in my life, listen, that God prepares before me a banquet in the presence of my enemies. That my enemy, you know, has to watch me, okay, live in peace and rest and abundance, knowing that I can live that way because of what God has done for me. Okay. Listen, certainly goodness and mercy will stay close to me. Don't you want, don't you want goodness to stay close to you? <laughs> but I do. I want, I want goodness to stay close to me. I, listen, I want mercy to stay close to me because, man, sometimes I do some things and uh, I don't deserve goodness. But I need his mercy. Right? His mercy. His mercy says that um, I won't give you what you deserve. I need the mercy of God in my life. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes I'm not at my best moment. Sometimes I'm not doing my best. Sometimes I'm not living my best. And I need I need God's mercy. And this is what the good shepherd does. He says, "In, in this, David's kind of reflecting as he's writing this. He's, David understood what it meant to be a shepherd. He understood what it meant to be a good shepherd. And he says, God, the Lord is my shepherd. He watches over me. And this goodness and this mercy will stay close to me all the days of my life. And it really goes back to this reflection of what we were talking about at the end of the worship that, you know, I mean, you know, because we're all like sheep. God is this really good shepherd that watches over us. He's always come after us. It's always been him chasing us. It's always been him looking after us. It's always been him coming after us. It's always been him watching over us in the midst of our greatest trials and our greatest difficulties. It's always been him. He's always been a good shepherd. It doesn't mean that, like, um, it doesn't mean that there aren't going to be bad circumstances, right? I mean, sometimes the circumstances that we're, we live in as believers are going to look everything like the circumstances that the unbelievers live in. The Bible says it rains on the just and the unjust. We're gonna, We're going to experience trial. We're going to experience difficulty. The difference is, is that we have a good shepherd. And even though we may not feel his presence, even though we may not understand why we go through the things that we go through, uh, it it shouldn't ever get us to the place where we question how good God is. Because even though I, I don't know the answer why, I still believe that God is good. And generally, when I walk through that, once I get to the other side of that, valley of the shadow of death, right? You've been there before. Generally, once you get to the other side, you look back and think, oh, it was the Lord that was with me all along. Will you stand to your feet this morning?